Feel free to drink out of it if you want. Here's the one thing I'm asking you not to do, adults and children. I should not have to say this, but let's just say it to be safe because the cleaning team is here. Styrofoam will fall into little pieces. This, please do not tear this in little pieces and leave it on the, the, the benches in the pews, okay? Can we please? The only thing I'm asking you to do is to keep the cup in one piece. So parents, help me out by making sure your children keep the cup in one piece. And children, if your parents are doodlers, make sure your parents keep the cup in one piece. You don't have to turn the cups back in. They're yours to keep. You can take this cup home. I went ahead and got you a gift tonight because uh, it's a late Christmas gift. Which, speaking of Christmas gifts, many of you were so kind to my family and I, and you got us goodies or gifts or gift cards or cards. Thank you all so much um, for just being so kind to our family uh, around this, this holiday season. But I'm going to start with a story and... This cup will probably forever remind you of this story that I'm about to tell. The story is crucial to the message, so you have to zero in on this story. There was a former undersecretary of defense who was speaking at a large conference. And he said, you know, he was, he was in the middle of his speech and he actually interrupted his own speech. And he says, I spoke here last year. He said, I presented at this exact same conference on this exact same stage last year. But last year, I was still the Undersecretary of Defense. Uh, I flew here in business class, and when I landed, there was someone waiting for me at the airport to take me to my hotel. Upon arriving at my hotel, there was someone else waiting for me. They had already checked me into the hotel, handed me my key, escorted me up to the room, and carried my bags. The next morning when I came down, there were, again, there was someone waiting for me in the lobby to drive me to this same venue where we are today. I was taken in the back entrance, he said, shown to the green room, and handed a cup of coffee from a beautiful ceramic cup. But this year, he said, I stand here to speak to you, and I am no longer the Undersecretary of Defense. He said, this year, I flew in coach class. And when I arrived at the airport yesterday, no one was there to meet me. I took a taxi to the hotel. He said, I checked myself in and carried my own bags to my own room. The next morning, I came to down to an empty lobby and took another taxi to get here to speak today. He says, I came in the front door and I found my own way backstage. Once there, I asked one of the techs, one of the techs if there was any coffee and he just pointed me over to a table in the corner. And there was a coffee machine on the table against the wall and I walked over and he said, and I began to pour my own cup of coffee. In my own styrofoam cup. He said, it occurred to me that the nice ceramic cup they gave me last year 
was actually never intended for me. It was meant for the position that I held. And he says, I deserve this styrofoam cup. And he looked at the audience and said, this is the most important lesson I can impart to all of you. All of the perks, benefits, advantages you may get for the rank and the position that you hold. They were actually never meant for you. They were always meant for the role that you fill. And eventually you're going to leave your role. And then they will give your nice ceramic cup to someone else who replaces you. Because in the end, you never actually deserved anything more than the styrofoam cup. Tonight, as we wrap up our series on the principles for ministry success, this launches us into this very important last lesson of this series. And the title is, Your Calling Supersedes Your Position. God help us. Father, as we look at your word and study principles of life, God, I pray that you would help children, youth, adults, people online, in person. God, let us receive something tonight that we will never forget because it is a crucial, a crucial lesson of life and ministry. And so, God, help us all to be tuned in and pay attention, Father, and receive what it is you have for us. In Jesus' name. You know, humanity struggles with what I just told you. You see, that's why athletes will struggle to hang it up. Anybody ever think of an athlete, anybody here that likes sports at all? An athlete that just held on too long and they're jumping from team to team and getting cut. And you're like, man, you used to be good, amazing back in the day. I think of somebody like Adrian Peterson. That guy just tore up the Packers for years and now he's just bouncing from team to team to team. You're like... But guess what? It's not just athletes. Sometimes pastors struggle to hang it up. Struggle to pass the baton to the next generation. CEOs will hang on too long. Parents sometimes try to keep their children attached. We sometimes, we sometimes... These kids, man, they're under 18. They're going to be attached. We sometimes find our worth and our value in position. Insecurity in churches will sometimes keep people from making, or making disciples or even ministry directors or leaders or department heads sometimes are afraid to hand off and invest and empower people with the fear that, well, they might be more talented or smarter or more charismatic than I am. And, and then if they su surpass me, then what if I'm not needed and I like my position? But our identity cannot be determined by the position that we hold. You see, God rises up and sits down. And he said that the greatest among us would be focused on serving and not promotion. First Corinthians, Paul writes about it when, when the apostle Paul, when he wrote to the church at Corinth concerning making heroes out of men, he stated that God did not call them to follow himself. He said God called them to follow God. And he writes about this in 1 Corinthians 1. He says, for some members of Chloe's household have told me about your quarrels. 
And my dear brothers and sisters, some of you are saying, oh, I'm a follower of Paul. And others are saying, oh, I follow Apollos and I follow Peter and, or I don't follow only Christ. And he says, has Christ divided us into fractions, into factions? He says, was I, Paul, crucified for you? Were any of you baptized in the name of Paul? Of course not. And then he says in, in just two chapters later, he says, when one of you says, I'm a follower of Paul, and the other says, I'm a follower of Apollos, aren't you acting just like the world? After all, who is Apollos? Who is Paul? We are only God's servants. We are only God's servants, he says. And so he looks at this and he says, each of us did the work the Lord gave us. I planted seed in your heart. Apollos watered it. God is the one who made it grow. And he says, it's not important who does the planting or the watering. What's important is that God makes the seed grow. Paul knew his calling was to make disciples. He wanted followers of Christ, not, not followers of him or any other person of God. God deliberately chose men and women on the fringes of society. Why did he do that? I think a lot of why he did that was because he chose people of no fame, no reputation, because it was never supposed to be about the messenger. It was always supposed to be about the message. And tonight, as we wrap up our series on principles for ministry success, and as we wrap up 2021, and as we get ready to go into 2022, and as we get ready for you to step into new areas of calling and ministry and empowerment by God and the church, you are getting ready to do great and mighty things in 2022. But before we roll into 2022, we must get this. It is never supposed to be about the messenger. It is supposed to be about the message. This is why Paul said he purposely tried not to impress people with wisdom and speech. He could have. He was trained by Gamaliel's brilliant man. But his goal in preaching was to point to the cross. Paul's demeanor is so different from what we see in our land nowadays. Leaders consistently seek the affirmation of people. People seek to make heroes out of men and women. We cannot fall prey to this in ministry. As leaders, we must align ourselves with God's plan for our lives. And if I could for a moment speak just briefly to just the youth group. Please hear me. You have been elevated quickly in this church. More, and I don't know about other adults in here, if you vouch for me on this. More than any church that I have ever seen or been a part of. You stand on this platform. You lead us into worship. You've preached in the main service. You preach in other churches. If you're not careful. You will soon start to think that you're doing this because of your talent, your ability, who you are. Instead of God making way for you, you start to go, well, I'm, I'm something. And although you are valued, although you are valued, God does not need us. He calls us, and he equips us, and he empowers us. But just remember that you, just like me, 
never deserve more than the styrofoam cup. We are all servants of Jesus Christ. As far as God raises someone up, as fast as he rises someone up, he can also take them down. Galatians 6.3 says, For if a man thinketh himself to be something when he's nothing, he deceiveth himself. Proverbs 16.18 says, Pride goeth before destruction, and a haughty spirit before a fall. Better it is to be of a humble spirit with the lowly than to divide the spoil with the proud. Pride is a funny thing, though. Pride messages are always for someone else. I mean, no doubt, there's people watching online, you're sitting here right now, you're like, I hope so-and-so's listening. <laughs> and God hates pride. Amen, brother. It's always a message for someone else. But pride is something that it's easy to see in someone else, very difficult to see in yourself. And so we have to constantly say, Lord, Help me to, re you know, I ask God, I, I'm very strategic with my words. <laughs> Lord, help me to remain humble. I don't say, God, please humble me. <laughs> it's like, Lord, give me patience. No, I do not pray that. God, help me to continue to walk. Help me to have the fruit of your spirit. And patience is one of those things. <laughs> I'm not, God, give me patience. Oh, Okay. You know, when you assume any type of leadership position, professional, scholastic, ministerial, we must not allow the position itself to define us. And, and we hear that, and it makes sense. We're like, yep, yeah, amen, yep. Yeah. But it is so incredibly difficult to do. It is so difficult. Because if we're all honest, like the opening story, we all like business first class. Anyone ever flown business first class? It's a whole different world, okay? I did it one time, and I did not pay for it. They had an extra seat, and we were going to Dallas, and my dad, me, and my uncle were going to a Cowboys-Packers game. If you're against sports, then we weren't really going there, but... And they are like, we have an extra seat, sir, and they're like... I was young, little child, you know, younger guy. So they're like, oh, cute little kid. You guys want to sit in first class? And I'm like, I don't care. I'm on a plane with my dad and uncle going to a game. I don't care where I sit. I wish I'd have enjoyed it a little more because I remember being like, these seats are huge, dad. And they gave us like meals and drinks. I'm like, this is incredible. Non-alcoholic drinks, I want you to know. But we, I mean, like, if you don't like for business for, like, there's something wrong with you. It's more fun than, than, than the smaller seats in the back. We all like the rides to the airport. And somebody says, let me get, let me get the bag for you. We have a gift in your, in your, in your room. Her name in lights and celebrated. Even if you're a behind-the-scenes person, you want to be appreciated. Especially in ministry, we must never get caught up in the lie that people are here to serve us. If we're going to build a church and expect to have the answers for our community, and they need to come to us because we got what they need. We have the wrong, we have the wrong mindset.
wrong attitude. Matthew 23, 11, he says, but he that is greatest among you shall be your servant. So when I dream, oh man, one day I'd love to, to preach Youth Congress, General Conference, one day I, I'm going to go and do this and be a world changer and all this stuff. If you start to have yourself just only dreaming of the end goal without being willing to do the things that get you to the end goal. And, I'm, and, I, and I reference the youth group not because you're doing anything wrong, because you guys are doing amazing. But with that quick elevation, you don't want to say, well, pff, I'm only praising and preaching. I'm not joining the cleaning team. I'm not volunteering to clean up leaves. <laughs> no. We have to make sure that there is nothing in the kingdom of God that is lower than us. If he says, you want to be great, the greatest among you is going to be the most powerful servant of all of you. That's God. God defines greatness by servanthood. Even back then, the mother of James and John, she was concerned about reputation and reward. Because guess what? Humanity, we don't really ever change. She was concerned with reputation and reward. And, and, and Jesus turned and said, hey, servanthood is the greatest. One of the greatest keys to ministry success, which is what the series has been about, is in ministry is keeping yourself Empty of yourself. Again, sounds easy. But when people start saying, you're incredible, you're gifted, you're beautiful, you're, you're talented. What a great singer, speaker, leader. Oh, wow. I want to elevate you, promote you, put you in this place. If we're not careful, we start to read our own press clippings. You know, this person does sound like they're pretty good. That happens in sports sometimes. The team starts reading their own clippings, and they look forward to the Super Bowl and the World Series, and guess what? They play the team that was they were supposed to demolish, and they get beat. It's so interesting how sometimes sports correlates life, because even Scripture says pride cometh before a fall. And the moment that we start to walk through life going, you know, I got this. Of course they're going to use me. I'm talented. I'm gifted. I'm good looking. I'm, I'm a good singer, speaker. I'm, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm this. I'm that. No. Now, remember in this series, I did talk about knowing who you are and walking in confidence. This is, there's a beautiful balance in the Bible. You do not, the, uh, we don't go, well, I have to swing from this side to this side. We hear messages like this, and sometimes we, like, just go. <laughs> like, we either need to go, I am great, look at me. And, uh, you know, like, no, that's pride. But we also don't need to go, I'm nothing. I just, if Jesus would just use me, oh, God. Somebody says, you sang great tonight. Oh, it's just him. It's not me. It's not me. It's just my Lord. Listen, look at somebody. You sang well tonight. Thank you so much. I'm very, I'm very happy to hear that. Well, you do a really great job. Yep, God has, God has really, really blessed my life and allowed me to serve. I'm thankful. That's it. We walk in our confidence of who we are in him. 
but we must constantly, the goal in ministry is keeping ourself, ourselves empty of ourselves. The psalmist wrote in Psalm 139, he said, you made all my delicate inner parts of my body, knit my, me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. It almost sounds arrogant, like, wow, he's talking about himself, like, oh, wonderfully complex, my inner parts. But notice everything he's saying is, God, you did this. What The talent, the ability I have, you gave this to me. You instilled this in me. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, O oh God. They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the, the grains of sand. And I, when I wake up, you're still with me. What a beautiful passage of scripture, but notice the repeated words of me, my, and I in those verses. Wow, well, it seems very self-centered, very focused on me and my and I. I don't think that's a great thing, but no, no, it was you created me and you knitted me and I am fearfully and wonderfully made by you. My frame was not forgotten. I was woven together. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All my days are ordained. You think of me. Your thoughts of my, I mean, a number of the sand. Everything, he just almost realized every part of who I am only exists because of who you are. And if we're going to go long-term in ministry, that's why you sometimes see people, they elevate very quickly and then they fizzle out and they fall. Why? Because they did not have the character and integrity to sustain. That's why when I wrote a book, chapter one is what? Integrity. Can you do something in life and be elevated without integrity? You can you just won't be there long. Just won't be there long. Here's the point. He writes all these things. You did this. You did this. You are uniquely you. God made you. Do not try to be anyone else. And I feel like if God made you, you don't stoop to be anyone but you. And I feel like this goes hand in hand with the message that we had recently about potential. Don't let other people determine your potential. God defines you, not other people. And as you develop in ministry, it'll be tempting at times to try and mimic or act like someone else. Again, maybe this is more maybe geared toward the youth group, but somebody might want to pray like Lee Stone King instead of just going, God, I just don't know what to do. We're going to be like, oh, it's full church prayer. <clears throat> Jesus. <laughs> Hallelujah pastor asked you to lead pre-service prayer, so we're going to get up and just walk and go ahead. Jesus! Say it again! Hallelujah! God! Or we start to try and preach, and we love Josh Herring, so we're like, our voice is like this, but we're like, <clears throat> God. The power of God is in this place. My voice ain't never going to. I'll be sick as a dog. I still ain't going to have a voice as low as Josh Herring. That dude's like, I'll tell you right now. 
You want humor like Mark Brown. The first time I heard Mark Brown preach, his face was plastered against the general conference glass of the pulpit. I was like, who is this guy and where did he come from? But he's hilarious. I wish I had enough guts and humor to plaster my face on the general conference pulpit. But I ain't never been asked to preach there, so I can't. I want to sing like Charity Gale. I want to lead worship like Court Chavis. Some of you might not have a clue who these people are, but they're people in our denomination who are, have been elevated and celebrated, and rightfully so. They're incredible men and women of God. It might, but that might be for youth, but for adults, it might be more the fact that not many people saw much in you. You've just kind of settled into the background. You've stopped dreaming. You think like, oh, this is a young church or the, this. Is like, No, don't stop dreaming. If we become a young church and the youth do everything, we are going to fizzle out. Not because the youth are not strong, but because scripture says, for the old women to invest and train and mentor younger women and, and elders and men to invest in the younger men, that there has to be a generational baton that's passed. And we're going to talk a little bit about that on Sunday. And all that, as God does start to use you, we have to remember it's always about the message and not the messenger. Romans 12 says, because of the privilege and authority God's given me. Again, notice Paul's wording there. We're going to look at what he goes on to say, but it starts with, because of the privilege and authority God has given me. Spiritual leaders understand they do have spiritual authority. I understand as a pastor of this church, I have spiritual authority that has been given to me by God. But if I start to go, abuse the spirit says you know who i am i'm the pastor of this church if you're gonna you better that's insane and there's people that lead that way but paul says no i know who i'm called to be but it's because god gave it to me and he says i have given you each this warning don't think you're better than you really are be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, reassuring yourselves or measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. Just as our bodies have many parts, each part has a special function. So it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we belong to each other. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. Verse uh, 10, 12, he says, oh, don't worry. We wouldn't dare say that we're as wonderful as these men who tell you how important they are. He's obviously dealing with an issue in the church in Corinth. And if you're ever wondering if there was sarcasm in the Old New Testament men of God, I think that's dripping with sarcasm. Don't worry. We would never say. We would never say that we're as wonderful as the men who tell you how important they are. To me, I don't think... We can clearly look at that and go, that was not what God wanted for his church. And it's still not. If you have to tell people you're the leader, <laughs> you're probably not. You know, the Bible says, wives, submit to your husband. 
Well, if you have to have a, 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 a conversation about submission with your wife, there, there's already a problem there. Chances are, if you're having a problem with wife submitting to their husband, it might be the second part where you're not loving her like Christ loved the church. He says, but they are only comparing themselves with each other, uh, using themselves as the standard of measurement. How ignorant. When we use ourselves and we compare ourselves with one another. I'm a decent worshiper. I mean, I look. You know, kind of looked around tonight and I saw Kevin and Tim and Jim and James and Rich and saw some of these. Yeah, I was worshiping about, worshiping about as much as they are, so I'm good. When we compare ourselves among ourselves, it's, it's ignorant. Because God didn't call you to be like James and Rich and me. And he said, I want... Yeah, follow them like they follow me, but ultimately your goal is to reflect my image, to be like me. And so if I talk to the person who came here tonight or maybe watching online that you feel like, okay, good, you're talking about leaders and, and upfront people and people who have been elevated. That's not me. I, I, I'm not that person. I'll probably never be that person. I'm in the background. I ain't even interested in leadership. If you told me tonight was about leadership, I'd have stayed home. Keep your leadership. I ain't interested. But guess what? Most people want to make a difference. The term leader, leadership scares people at times, but... I would venture to say everyone in this place and watching this online, you want to make a difference. You do not want to go from today to the grave going, well, I existed. Didn't make a difference in anyone's life, but I existed. Nobody wants that. You want your life to matter. Making a difference, however, is not Always about assuming a leadership position. So if you're saying someday I hope I get that position so I can make a difference. Something got mixed up there. Leadership is influence. Leadership is influence. While it may involve serving in a leadership position, it is unnecessary to have a leadership position to lead. I'll repeat that. It is unnecessary to have a leadership position to lead. Humility is an essential element of successful leadership. Without it, some leaders get their way for a season. You may intimidate others, bully others, manipulate others. Such leadership is seldom sustained over the long haul, especially within volunteer organizations like nonprofits and churches. 1 Peter 5.8, Peter says, so humble yourselves under the mighty power of God, and at the right time, he will lift you up in honor. But before the elevation, before the honor, first comes the humility. Humility is everything to God. Humility is also everything in successful ministry and leadership. God tells us through the Bible how much he hates pride, and leadership is filled 
with a lot of pride because a lot of humanity cannot handle the elevation. First Timothy, Paul writes to Timothy, he says, never be in a hurry about appointing a church leader. Do not share in the sins of others. Keep yourself pure. I'd say one of the biggest mistakes I made in the beginning of pastoring is looking, is elevating someone based on potential. But if you're saying, yeah, but I deserve this and I should be this. If you are longing for the position, you're not ready for it yet. But if you're longing to serve and to be an influencer and to make a difference, and you do it faithfully with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, and spirit. It's just a matter of time. And God will elevate you. Paul tells Timothy, you know what? Don't just elevate. Don't do it too fast. They don't always be. Why? Because they don't always have the character to handle it. So Paul says, take your time. Why? Because a person goes through things. And when a person goes through things, he or she is humbled. I look back to some of the things that I said in private conversations, or even in this pulpit. Y'all elected a 28-year-old pastor. And I laugh today at what I thought I knew then. And I know 10 years from now, I'm going to laugh at what I think I know now. Because if we ever reach the point where I've arrived, it's probably time for you to step away. In any position, from the pastor, department heads, ministry directors, when we stop as a person going, I want to continue to make a difference. I want to grow. I want to grow in knowledge and experience. I want to, I want to, I want to keep thriving. I, want to, I, I don't want to just stop where I am. I want, to, I want to be closer to you more. Lord, next year I want to be closer to you than I was this year at this time. And I want to know more than I know right now. I want to keep growing. I want to keep perfecting my craft, so to speak, whatever that is. But when we just settle in, hear me, please. Every ministry of this church, if you have just settled in and you're just coasting and existing and you've stopped dreaming on how to improve and get better and make a difference and train people and get more people involved and make them better than where you are right now, it might be time for you to step away from your position. Because if you're only holding on to the position for the position, you're hurting the church. When we redid the North American Missions booklet for the Missouri District, one of the lines I put in there for every one of our executive positions, director, secretary, promotions director, was when the light for your passion for position in this position begins to fade and to make a difference and to plant churches in Missouri and to do this, when you start to feel like your passion is waning, immediately step away. Because we're not. We don't exist in the kingdom of God in any ministry because of being in love with the position. God has called some of you, as I begin to close here, he's called some of you to places of leadership. For some of you, that is actually going to be single, crucial, key leadership positions running organizations, teams, churches, whatever that is. Others, you may never step into that role, 
but that does not mean you're not a leader. God has called you to be an influencer, even if you never have this, comma, whatever title after your name. If there's never a title, God has called you to be an influencer. But for some of you, you still haven't even scratched the surface of what God has planned for you. But hear me when I say, stay humble. Stay humble. Don't let position define you. I'm looking across a room of people who have licenses and ministerial licenses and pursuing doctorates and has received promotions and running teams and businesses and people who are who are specialists in their area and serve in ministry and position. And it, it, we can, if we're not careful, we start to go, I did this. I got myself here. People are used to going, can I get you something? Do you guys need anything? When you check into hotels, oh, there's a basket in your room. Oh, wow. Let me carry your bags. You know, we, some of us, we've gotten used to some of this stuff, but we have to be careful because no matter how much you've been exalted, how much you make, what your title is, how, uh, what, the, what the education states, what you're a part of, what you've been elected to or voted on or appointed to, if, 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 if we start to think it's me and myself, and even though that might not be ministry in your professional career, Pride is something. God does not say, I hate pride in the church, but I'm okay with it everywhere else. You don't want to lose an incredible, beautiful blessing and calling that God has simply because you weren't able to empty yourself of yourself. Would you stand to your feet? So church, don't let the position define you. Don't let the degree define you. Don't let the promotion define you. Don't let the paycheck define you. Don't let praise from people or lack thereof define you. A calling from God is more important than any person or position. And when God's called you, there's things that you never are willing to sacrifice or trade in. When my wife and I first started talking, I saw her in that dinner line. I was like, oh my goodness, she is gorgeous. I still do that. We did not start talking about our future and how much her dad was going to love me. We didn't talk about that. We started talking about what I felt called to do and what she felt called to do. Because to us, we weren't even going to start to go down that road if our callings didn't even align. And that's tough because when somebody beautiful walks up and they're paying you attention, sometimes you're willing to say, I'll take the calling and set it aside. But don't do that. There's no person, there's no promotion that's worthy of trading in a calling. You see, a calling from God is more than a position, more than a person. Don't ever forget, though, 
as you step into your areas of calling and leadership and influence, whether that's secular, whether that's in the church, and even for them, many of you, you're called uh, in nursing and healthcare and, and legal advice. And I mean, like, we need godly leaders in politics. I'm not saying your influence is just going to be limited to a church building. But whatever you do and wherever you step, Just remember, it's, it's always about the message and not the messenger. No matter what I do, and no matter what title, and who says nice things to me, I know that one day, I'll stop being a pastor. I'll stop being the North American missions director. And you know what? I know that as much as all of you are so kind and loving to me, You'll elect a new pastor someday. Probably won't be you. It'll probably be them or them. They'll be the ones voting in that pastor. Because I'm planning to stay at least a couple more years. And I know that if my value was only in the title when you said, Hi, Pastor Gary, then I'm going to be a miserable person when I stop doing this. And that's where I need to remember I never deserved the ceramic cup. I've always only deserved the styrofoam cup. So as you step into all the dreams and things God's going to do with your life, just remember the styrofoam cup. I exist on this earth. Everything I do in ministry is about the message. And it's not the messenger. Folks, I am so thankful that God chose to use me and he still does. So thankful for that. But God does not need my gifts for his kingdom. He doesn't, he, he does not need me for his kingdom. He chooses to use me. And because of that, I want to serve wholeheartedly. forget that it's about the message and not the messenger. I'm not the source of power. I'm just the conduit. Let's find a place to pray tonight. As we always try to, to remember this in our journey.